Hello, and welcome to my podcast. This is Season 2, The Meiji Restoration, A China Contrast. This is Episode 1, Edo, Japan. I want to begin the story of the Meiji Restoration with the era immediately before it. It was called the Edo Era, E-D-O. Both the Edo Era and the Meiji Era closely overlapped the entirety of the Qing Dynasty. The Edo Era started about 40 years before the fall of Peking in 1644 to pro-Manchu forces that started the Qing Dynasty. The Edo era ended about 40 years before the abdication of the last Qing emperor in 1912. The Meiji era replaced the Edo era and it lasted until 1912 as well. I am most keenly aware that my podcast title is a bit of a misnomer. My podcast is about more than the Meiji Restoration and the events and people going forward from there. I stated it is also about pre-Meiji Japan, or the Edo period. The Meiji Restoration was, however, the pivotal event distinguishing Japan's outcome from China's that resulted from the foreign nation assaults of the 19th century. So without further ado... Let's jump right into this. I begin with the conclusion of the Battle of Seikigahara in 1600 that had unified Japan. Japan's emperor in 1603 named as the shogun Takugara Liasa or Tokugara. Liasa. So begins the roughly 250-year dynasty of the Tokugawa shogunate, or the Edo era. The shogun title position goes all the way back, with some exceptions, to the 12th century. The Edo era would last until the mid-19th century to be succeeded by the Meiji Restoration. The Shogunate is also called the Edo era for its location, Edo, or now called Tokyo. Tokugawa Liasa, Japan's first Edo era Shogun, was born in 1543 and would die in 1616. What is the political structure of this Tokugawa shogunate? I've seen it described as a centralized feudalism or a feudal military dictatorship. 
It is clear to me, and many others too, that it was one of the world's most complex feudal systems ever devised. Its structure, the best I can tell, was there was an emperor at the top. The emperor, however, was only a nominal leader in name only. His only role, it appears, was to nominally designate the shogun. So it is said that the emperor reigned, but the emperor did not rule. The shogun was the supreme ruler of Japan. One description of this emperor-shogun relationship is the emperor was the prisoner of or under house arrest by the shogun. This is a good way of looking at it. There would be 15 shoguns during the Edo era. The emperor Shogun relationship appears to resemble, sort of, Europe's Pope-King style relationship. The Shogun had absolute power through military means. Smaller or local units of government were ruled by samurai. You can look at those as similar to a European lord. The shogun had national authority, while the samurai had regional authority. Like I said, complex. Japan, during most of the era, was strictly classified and maintained social and political hierarchies. Movement from one class to another was forbidden. Aside from the emperor, and the shogun at the top of the hierarchy were the samurais. Then came the peasant farmers, followed by the craftsmen, builders, and finally, the lowest level, the merchants, who were considered a necessary evil. Peasant farmers and those associated with food production were accorded such a high rank because they produced food, and, importantly, paid the taxes to their samurais. And this would be the samurai's chief source of income. Peasants during this era were around 90% of the population. And rice was the economy's base. Portuguese traders, probably from Macau, had arrived in Japan as early as 1543. The port at Nagasaki was opened to newcomers in 1570. Christians built a church there. At first, Japan tolerated Christianity. But by the 1620-1630 period, that had changed. The shogun expelled the Portuguese and Spanish missionaries and traders. This decision was motivated because of the political threat they posed, then by any dislike of religion or foreign presence in Japan. By 1640, Japan was effectively cut off from Western nations for the next 200 years. 
The only exception were the Dutch. They were allowed a trading post at Nagasaki. And this is apparently because they agreed not to practice religion. Japanese were also prohibited from traveling outside Japan. This isolationism was not unique to Japan. China, for instance, early Qing dynasty, except for the 60-year reign of the Emperor Kangxi, was much the same attitude toward foreigners and isolation. The isolation allowed the shogun to establish order socially, politically, and internationally. The dominant faith was Neo-Confucianism, which is a conservative religion emphasizing loyalty and duty, first to the state, then to the family. The only other nations that were allowed to trade with Japan in the early Edo period were China, Korea, and the several archipelago nations south of Japan. The isolation would also later be a problem for Japan, but I will get to that. Japan's only real source for external news would be the Dutch traders. And up to the mid-18th century, the nation saw rapid and sustained economic growth. First in the agricultural area, and then to the merchant and industrial sector. This period is known as the Great Peace. It is known for its discipline, regularity, workmanship, and stoic endurance. Generally speaking, rice production went up, the population stabilized, and prosperity rose. From the Tokugawa shogunate era came familiar things we know today, such as geisha, kabuki, Haiku, and sumo. Sumo had been around longer than the Tokugawa shogunate, but it was under the Tokugawa shogunate that sumo took on its present modern form. As things progressed in Japan, the great paradox of the Tokugawa regime started to appear. The traditional rulers, the samurai, became less and less capable to meet new challenges under the traditional ways. As the nation prospered and the economy grew, it became more capitalist. It became a money economy. Cities like Osaka and Edo and Kyoto became highly populated. As they did so, they became huge mercantile centers, and the merchant class became wealthier. Remember, the main revenue source for the samurai was the rice tax, and the rice tax remained fixed for over 200 years. Samurai were not allowed to farm or become merchants. Also, samurai were required to keep up appearances live lavishly, a really expensive lifestyle. The ruling class could not take advantage of the new economic growth in Japan. 
and over time, this situation eroded the feudal system. The samurai grew poorer, and some became impoverished. Economic growth was inverting the status hierarchy. An increasingly wealthy, well-educated, and powerful lower class, the merchants, was being created. Merchants began to flaunt their wealth. Their possessions and assets were exceeding those of the samurais. Some samurais began to issue edicts prohibiting merchants from wearing fine clothes or restricting showy homes. Strikingly, it never occurred to the leaders to tax the mercantile trade. All this led to the merchants increasingly becoming the leaders of Japan. This certainly blurred the long-time and strict social hierarchy divisions. Samurai began marrying wealthy merchant daughters because they needed the money. Samurai borrowed money from the banks, largely owned by the merchants. The peaceful times and the isolation eroded the quality of the military. It became inefficient and old-fashioned. When foreigners were expelled from Japan in the 17th century, Japan's military was probably on par with other foreign nations. But that changed to the Japanese detriment when the foreigners came back in the 19th century. Just like the Qing dynasty in China discovered, there was a price to be paid for isolationism. From 1790 to 1850, there, are, there were at least 27 foreign ships that visited Japan. All were turned away. Not all were trading ships. Some were gunboats. During the first half of the Edo period, there were no indications or signs in Japan that the Western assault that would come would work out any differently than it had for the Chinese in the Qing Dynasty. But by the beginning of the 19th century, the Dutch had warned the Shogun that the West was coming and it was no longer realistic to believe that Japan could remain secluded for much longer. Indeed, the Japanese repelled advances by Russia in the 1790s and in the early 1800s and from England in the 1820s. Little by little, in the first half of the 19th century, the United States, England, and Russia tried to send expeditions to Japan and persuade them to open their sea trade ports. But Japan resisted. And they worried. Japan knew by the 1840s what was happening in China 
from the hands of the Western powers. They became nervous when they heard about the Chinese decimation by the English in the First Opium War. When the West finally came back to Japan, Japan would find them vastly more modernized when they last encountered them some 200 or so years before that. For one, they would soon realize that they would not have a defense or counter to the West's modern weapons and ships. Also ongoing at the same time in Japan were the internal issues and the inversion of the hierarchy classes that had stood for at least the first half of the Tokugawa shogunate. Remember, the inversion was happening because Japan was prosperous and growing economically. Together with relative peace and isolation, how could any of this been a bad thing? And that's a good question. And I think the short, simple answer to that question is because the growth and the wealth were not shared by everyone. In particular, not shared with the elites who were expected to lead the nation. Isolation was perhaps good for a while. But when others grow and improve and modernize to your detriment, a pleasing resolution to that disparity cannot be expected. I had planned and tried to get through the Tokugawa Shogunate with a single episode. I cannot. There is still a lot more to come, including the climax to and end of the Shogunate. Next episode, I continue with the issues facing the shogun and the samurais and the rising merchant class. We will also learn about the West's big push into Japan. That the international, that the, I'm sorry, that the internal issues would end the Edo era. Please continue to listen. Thank you. It has been a pleasure.